You are now tuned in to With Love J Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of With Love J Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Agape, and I'm so glad that you decided to join in today. To all of the returning listeners, thank you so much for your loyal listenership. And to any new listeners that are tuned in for the first time today, my prayer is that you'll be uplifted, edified, and encouraged by the message today in some way. So I wasn't really sure what to title this message. Um, I've actually covered this topic a couple of months ago. And one thing about the Lord teaching you and growing you in, in your spirit is that He has a way of showing you the errors in your understanding. So a couple of months ago, I spoke on the term lukewarm. We hear that a lot, especially in the modern day church. Lukewarm Christian, backsliding Christian, Christian who is in and out, hot and cold, in with the world, in with God, partial, you name it. So God has given me new understandings and I actually came across this information a while back, but I've been sitting on it. So I decided that now would be the perfect time to have this as a teaching opportunity. So I think that the title of this message today for this episode is going to be Decoding Lukewarm. So in Revelations chapter three, Christ was writing to the seven churches And he writes to the church in Laodicea in uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And I'm just going to read the text real quickly so you can have some understanding. To the church in Laodicea, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you and they with me. So in this scripture, in these scriptures, Christ is telling the church at Laodicea that he knows their works. He puts emphasis on works. He says they are neither hot nor cold. So because they are lukewarm, he will spew them out of their mouth. So the question is, What was the significance of being neither one extreme or the other? Why was lukewarm water so distasteful that it needed to be spewed out? What was Christ's significance in using the word 
works. So initially, at just reading this context, one would interpret the words hot and cold with having an emotional connotation. Meaning, someone who doesn't know the word, someone with a very vague um, sense of thinking, would think that Christ is saying that you should be either on fire for the Lord or completely hardened to his word. You should either serve God or serve the devil. No in between, just pick one, right? Now, I myself had this very flawed way of thinking. And I praise God and I give him glory for giving me revelations. This is what happens when you grow in the spirit. The Lord allows you gracefully to come into new knowledge, new understandings. And the scriptures now more The scriptures have now more context. They now make sense. You begin to connect dots historically. So this is what one would think. Be on fire for the Lord or don't be on fire for the Lord. You choose God, you choose Satan. But to understand both the geography and the church itself in Laodicea, During the historical era that Christ wrote this letter, there was actually a completely different message that Christ was sending. So just to give you some geographical understanding, the city of Laodicea was surrounded by two other cities. Colossae was a city south of Laodicea that had a cold water runoff, which came from the mountains. The adjacent city, Aeropolis, was north of Laodicea. And they were known, that city was known for its hot water springs. The hot water springs was full of mineral rich, mineral rich water that the people used for healing baths and a number of other things. But the city of, La- the city of Laodicea had a piped, hot water source that arrived into the city through an aqueduct that was six miles long. So what happened was by the time it had reached the city of Laodicea, it had traveled so far that by the time it got to the city, it was gritty. It lost its hot water source And it contained so many trace minerals and so many bacteria that it would actually induce vomiting to anyone who ingested it. So the Laodiceans essentially had a useless water supply. It served no purpose except for maybe plumbing, sewage, manufacturing their textiles. But it was not good for anyone to ingest. So Laodicea was this booming mega city, right? They were economically independent. They were extremely wealthy. They had many, many resources. They had established banks there. They had established medical centers there. They had doctors who had uh, practices where they were making healing clays and eye ointments. The scriptures call it salve. And they had a very well-developed textile industry. So the city, of Les- the city of Laodicea was really this big import and export type of city. 
They were known for their trades. They were along a very big trade route. So they had plenty of wealth. So the Laodiceans, they believed that they didn't have a need for anything because of their wealthy status as a city. Now keep in mind that the Laodiceans were not Romans. They were converted Christians. They put high value on their goods. They put high value on their riches. But they didn't have the same esteem towards serving the church. In verse 17, Christ sends judgment against the city of Laodicea because they think that they have a need for nothing because they were rich and they had goods. But what Christ was saying was that even though they had a thriving economy, their spirits were wretched. They were in a low, poor, low-class state of health, emotionally, spiritually. Even though their riches brought them happiness, their spirits were miserable. Even though they had banks that were established and an increase and imports and exports. Their spirits were bankrupt and in poverty. With all the doctors who were making the healing eye ointments, the salve, to cure other people of their eye ailments, their eye diseases, he was saying that their very eyes were still not open. He was saying that they were blind to their own sin, that they were naked in sin. Just as the scriptures described Adam and Eve, when their eyes were open to each other's nakedness, they had a revealing of their sinful nature. This is what Christ was saying to this church in Laodicea. The Laodiceans were a lost people. They were blind to their own lack of works of righteousness. And Christ expressed his severe just distaste with this church. He said, I know thy works. They are neither cold nor hot, but I wish they were one of the other. So the cold water support, the cold water supply that was coming in from the mountains was cold. It was refreshing. It, it brought life. It was energizing, restoring. Think about how you feel after you've just ran, you know, five miles and you get that first drink of water. <sighs> So refreshing. This is what I need. My body has been needing this. It's purifying. It's clean. It's pure. And think about it. To have clean, crisp water during a time where there was no clean, fresh water supply meant that that water was special because you have to think they weren't living in 2020. They didn't have aquifers. They didn't have purification systems. These were natural water supplies. And if you think about the type of water that the church of Laodicea had, think of it as the water from like a third world country. Water that's full of parasites, full of bacteria. When you drink it, you're, you're, uh, you're nauseous, you're vomiting, you're, di- you're getting diarrhea. You can't actually ingest it. You have to travel far away and come back with fresh water. So to have this source of pure, cold, crisp, fresh water meant that there was something special about that water. It was something rare. It was sought after. 
something that people would travel miles for just to have. Now on the other hand, the water supply from the hot water springs brought forth healing. The waters were used for therapy and restoration and and rejuvenation. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1, the word says a fountain will be open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from their sin and impurity. The water had purpose. Remember in the story of John, there was a man who had laid next to a well for 83 years. And the scripture says that on these walkways, there lay a great number of sick, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And an angel went down in a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whoever then, after the first troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever disease they had. So there's this special sense of miraculousness and healing and rejuvenating that comes with the warm water supply. But the message that Christ was given to the church at Laodicea, he's saying, you're doing neither of the two. You have all of these resources. You have all of these textiles, these imports, these riches, these resources. You have doctors that can heal. You have people that are that are builders and that are workers. And you're doing neither of the gifts of the kingdom. You're not edifying. You're not teaching the gospel. You're not going out to, to spread the good news, the specialty, the rareness of the water of the holy blood. The Holy Spirit was was a gift and they were not sharing it with others. They were using none of the things that they had to do good for the kingdom. Everything was self-absorbed, self-centered. And then on the other hand, he's saying, you're not healing. You're not using the gifts that I've given you. You're not using these resources to reach the community to build the community, to build the kingdom. He was saying, how dare you call yourself rich when you have no spirit? He said, I wish you'd do one of the two. I wish you'd spread the gospel or I wish you'd use your resources for good works for the kingdom, but you're doing neither. Just like the water that had traveled six miles through the aqueduct, it came from a hot source, a hot source that could be healing a hot source that could be benefiting to those around them and in their communities. But by the time it got to them, it was lukewarm. It lost its power, its grit. It was contaminated. He's essentially telling the church that you bear so much gifts. You have so many things that you could be doing, but the seed of selfishness has been planted into your lives and you do nothing with the gifts that I gave you. And it ties into the parable of the talents. And I'm going to try to quickly summarize this without having to go through all of the scriptures. But in the parable of the talents, Christ said that a man was going on a journey. And he summoned all of his property to some of his slaves. To one of the slaves, he gave five talents. To the other two, to the other one. Each according to his own ability. Then he went his way. The one who had received five talents went off and he traded them and gained five more talents. And the same with two talents went off and traded them and gained two more talents. But the one who had received just one talent 
went off and he dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So some time goes by and the master returns and he tells all of the men to come forward. So the man who was gifted five talents says, Master, you've given me five talents and I have made five more talents. So the master tells him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The same thing happens with the man who was gifted two talents. He tells the master, you've given me two talents and I have made two more talents. The master tells him the same thing. He says, well done, you good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. But when it's time for the man who was gifted with one talent to approach his master, instead of taking accountability for the thing that he had done, he takes that opportunity to try to condemn his master. He says, I was afraid for you are a harsh man. You reap where you do not sow and you gather what you have not scattered. So I was afraid and I hid your talent into the ground. So here, take what is yours. So the master tells him, you wicked, lazy slave. Take your talent and give it to the one who has 10. For all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the same message to the church at Laodicea. You have all these talents so many opportunities to be resourceful, so many seeds that can bring forth good fruit, so many talents that can bring forth good works. But what do you do? You hide your talents in the ground. You sit on the very gifts and the very resources that you were given. Instead of glorifying the kingdom, you glorify yourself. This is what Christ's message was about being lukewarm, to be useless in the kingdom, to have gifts, to sit on them and do absolutely nothing with them. What good is it for a man to have all of these spiritual gifts, gifts of discernment, gifts of healing, and to do nothing with them for the kingdom? What good is all of the knowledge that you have, but you have no spirit that moves you behind it? This is what Christ says is so distasteful that he will spew you out of his mouth. See, the message here wasn't go serve Satan because you don't serve me. No, no, that's not the message. The message is that there are so many gifts that you have and you do nothing with them. You're not edifying, you're not teaching, you're not working. Your hands are nowhere in the soil for Christ. And that is more distasteful than to anyone who is not in the body. Is this making sense? There are so many scriptures, there are so many parables that are woven, the, the messages are woven into each other. So if you have a talent, if God has gifted you with something, and you are sitting on it, you are gonna have to be held accountable before him on the day of judgment. If you have the gift of knowledge, if you have the gift of wisdom, if you have resources that can bring forth 
change in the kingdom, true change and edification, and you don't use them, you will have to answer to the Messiah. We all have the same opportunities. We all have the same opportunities at receiving faith, receiving salvation, receiving gifts. There is no financial hierarchy in the kingdom of Christ. The gifts of Christ are spiritual and they are graced to you. The spirit of Christ has to be your foundation. The spirit of Christ has to move you. Your faith has to be firmly planted into your very foundation. It has to be rooted inside of you like a tree that is beside the still water, that nothing can take it away from you. Nothing can steal your faith. The work that you do here on earth is preparing you for the work that is to come in heaven. When we get to heaven, we will be working for the Lord. And each gift that Christ gives you, is preparing you for your eternal gift. The scripture says you have been trustworthy in a few things. Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. If you cannot handle the spiritual gifts here on earth, what do you expect when you get to heaven? If, you're, if your posture is not of faith, of praise, of worship, of servitude, how will you prepare for your eternal posture in heaven? These lives that we live here on earth are preparation. This is training. This is boot camp for the gifts of heaven. The walk that you walk here on earth determines where you go once this earth collapses. No matter how great or small your gift is, it can be used for the kingdom. If you have artistic hands, use that for the kingdom. If you have a voice of conviction, use that for the kingdom. If you know how to reach children, use that for the kingdom. If you know how to reach women, if you know how to speak to men, use that for the kingdom. Because Christ is looking at how you manage the few things that you have here on earth. The time to to sit around when it's time to move is over. The time for sitting on the sideline is over. The time for just watching and and scrolling through social media and seeing what others are doing, it's over. This is now your time to step into your gift, to tap into the resources that you have towards uplifting the kingdom. If you are hearing this message today, you have time today. When you hear the word of God, I pray that you don't harden your heart. I pray that you don't miss your day of visitation is what the scripture says. When the Lord comes to visit you, his word, the conviction, Pray that you don't cast it away. And I pray that the enemy doesn't steal it from you. So be like the the fountains that run from the mountains, that drain cold water, refreshing, rare, special, that bring forth cleanliness and purity and righteousness. 
water that is highly sought after, something so rare that, that you have to go to God to find it. Or be like the warm water that brings forth healing, that works plentifully for the kingdom. But please don't be in between sitting in the grit, sitting in the, the laziness and the worthlessness in the kingdom. Don't be a sideline player or, or someone who piggybacks off of the, the righteousness of another. Pay attention to the signs of the world. The Messiah is coming soon. And we must all take up our spiritual positions and prepare for his coming. Please don't harden your heart. Please don't let the enemy steal anything that was gifted to you by God. How much longer? How much longer are you going to linger around, wandering from the fold of God? He loves you enough to leave the 99 to come just for you, just for you, the one sheep. He loves you enough to come for you. So don't take advantage of the gift. Haven't you heard the invitation? It's time to prepare. Your very life is not promised to you. Here today, gone tomorrow. Think of the many lives that we have lost just in the past year. This is a gift, not a promise. The only promises from the Lord are eternal in heaven. You are not promised a long life, but you are gifted with grace. So before the breath of life is taken out of your body, get right with the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Thank you all for tuning in to With Love J Podcast. This is your host, Jay Agape. Until next time, take care.